Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan Bohannon, Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's uh, Thanksgiving Eve. How are you doing today, Jordan Bohannon? It's been going on, man. I'm doing well. More important, how are you feeling? I'm good, dude. I was sick last week, so we didn't get to record, but then, uh, I was traveling yesterday. So that kind of delayed us again, but, uh, no, it's good to be good to be back recorded, feeling good, uh, before the holidays, no, uh, no worries or anything. How have, uh, how have the last few weeks been going? Going well, man. Just grinding out here in the G league, playing a lot of games. We got a 13 day road trip starting tomorrow. So it's, it's crazy, bro. But where, where are you going on your 13 day trip? We got uh, Fort Wayne, play a game there uh, on Saturday. We leave tomorrow, Thursday, Thanksgiving, and then we go to Grand Rapids for two games. Then we go to Detroit, and then we come back to Fort Wayne to end our road trip and fly back to Des Moines. I'm not sure you could go to – three better places than Fort Wayne, Indiana, twice, uh, Grand Rapids and Detroit in a 13 day span. And we were in Cleveland, our last road. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, when we played in Buffalo, my NCAA tournament game last year, I didn't think a city could be worse than Buffalo. Buffalo is so fucking bad. And Cleveland is up there with one of the worst cities I think I've ever been to. Just not a lot going on or what? Dude, I, I don't know. Like on Cleveland regards, at least there's a little more shit to do in Cleveland. Buffalo, bro, like it's just dry. Like the the I'm talking about like the this the social aspect. It's dry, yeah. like nothing's going on. I just feel like I'm half asleep when I was there. I don't know. And it was fucking freezing too, so that didn't help. Yeah. I don't think it ever gets warm. I don't think the sun ever comes up in Buffalo. Well, it what they have six and a half eight uh inches of snow or six and a half feet of snow last week uh, at least you, yeah at least you could avoid that uh that's a positive but we're gonna talk some basketball here uh at the beginning of the show iowa state playing in the pki uh phil knight invitational this weekend in portland uh iowa's got a big game coming up on friday night well i guess maybe not a big game, but a good game coming up Friday night, uh, going into, uh, into next week. And then of course there's some football games here coming up this weekend as well. Uh, it, 
have you looked at all at the PKI bracket or anything like that? I'm out here for this tournament, man. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty, pretty fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. All the schools that are out here. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. That's one of my, that was probably my uh, most anticipated tournaments for Thanksgiving. I wanted to watch obviously Maui is just, it's the Maui invitational. So that's always going to be mm-hmm. the one, but I'm impressed with the field they gathered there. And I think if I was taking get out of that, with a couple wins they're they're looking really great for their resume so far this season. And I think that that game against Villanova for sure is winnable, you know, especially when Villanova doesn't have uh Justin Moore back yet. I think their other one of their other guards has been out. Like that that's definitely a and it's a game too that no one's going to remember in uh you know in March that they didn't have Justin Moore. It's like yeah. if Villanova turns out to be a top 5 team or something like that, Iowa State still has that win on their resume. You know, you can feel really good about. Exactly. I've always hated that argument too, Jared, that people you beat a team early on in the year and then people are like, "Oh, well, they didn't have their best player." I mean, like it doesn't matter in the rankings and point system standpoint from the NCAA. Like if you get the win and they end up as a quad one win, who cares who's on the team when you beat them? It still matters on your resume. When you look at that field, who do you think who do you think is going to win the tournament? I don't. Know. I can't. I have to remember all teams. I know obviously Villanova, Iowa State, uh, North Carolina think, plays Portland. That's yeah. that's one side of the bracket, and then the other side is uh, Oregon and UConn and Oregon, Alabama, Michigan yeah. State. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State runs away with it. I think they're very underlooked this year, based mm-hmm. on. Already what I've seen are from the last couple of games and you, and granted you got to look at the field other than Michigan state. I mean, they Michigan state has played the biggest game so far this year. So they're going to have the most experience heading into this tournament. They've played under duress already as a team faced adversity, fought, fought back, played in a big time game and won after losing to Gonzaga. So I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan state runs away with it, but Again, that type of field, man, like anyone, anyone mm-hmm. can win. UNC, I'm not sold on. I'm actually surprised on how they've been playing. Michigan State is who I picked to win. I, I think that they're just so – they're battle-tested already. It's two, The season's two weeks in. They're already just – every time you've watched them play, you know, you watch them play that game against Gonzaga, and it's like, okay, there's some pieces here. I feel like this team could be pretty good. They play Kentucky, you get a little more confidence. You go and beat Villanova. And it just seems like they're getting better every game. You know, and it, I've been impressed too. That's a veteran team. Like Tyson Walker's a veteran player. I mean, Sissoko is a senior, is I think a veteran player. Like Joey mm-hmm. Howard is a veteran. Like that's just a team that has a bunch of old guys on it, you know. And when you can get those veteran players that can, you know, come in and, and work well together, it gives you an advantage, I think, in, uh, in these kinds of environments, even though North Carolina, obviously, like they're one of the most experienced teams in the country too. So it's like, that would, I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. They can't shoot the ball. That's the problem, you know? And they don't play defense either. So yeah. I, th- I think Michigan, going, I know we talked, I think it was two or th- I can't remember what the, when we brought up the topic of the buy game issue on teams playing buy games early on the year. And obviously everyone does it, how much it truly impacts the team heading into these types of games, not having like those true battle tested players and teams, like you just said about Michigan state. The thing about Michigan State is they've always played in. Um, you think about the the I, don't, I can't remember the name of it, but the four Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, yeah, the, those the Champions boys. Classic, yeah, yeah Champions, Champions classic. classic. They always play in those types of games early on in the year. They stay away from, for the most part. Obviously, they play a couple of bye games, but right up right off the bat, Izzo has always been huge on playing those games. 
I mean, you look at Michigan's re- Michigan State's resume throughout the years, like the body of work, it, they've done pretty damn well. So I'm almost like curious of a lot of these Power Five teams. I think I'm a huge proponent of just shifting directly into these big time games right away and not waiting to Thanksgiving to play it. So, right. But it's also hard because you wanna you wanna get those tune up games as well. So you kind of have to find that balance. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Michigan State schedule like doesn't slow down at all. You know, you get through this tournament, and you're basically guaranteed three quality games in this tournament. But then you turn around next week, you go you pl- go back home and play, or no, you go on the road to South Bend and play Notre Dame. Go back home and play Northwestern, and then go on the road to Penn State before you finally play Brown on December 10th, and that'll be the first time they've played a game against a non-Power Five team since November 7th. <laughs> It's crazy, but that's that's what I'm kind of alluding to. And you look at, I bet I guarantee you, yeah, they'll have played nine of their first ten games will be against Power Five teams. That's crazy. And you think about the opportunities for quad one wins just to start off your season on. I mean, and granted, it could go completely sideways for a lot of these teams. They could go over for their start this mm-hmm. season, but I don't know why Michigan State was so overlooked this year. To be honest, I mean, I don't, I don't even know why I was thinking that they weren't going to be. I mean, they're not deep as they used to be off the bench, but, man, they play defense like always. Izzo is always going to have that team ready to play against the best teams, best best competition. They're always going to be playing together no matter who's on that team. I really like Sissoko. He's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the kind of – he's a player who jumps out at you when you watch them play, you know. And I think that's – having a guy like him is where if they get into a championship – game against a North Carolina and you've got an Armando Baycott on the other side, like they've got a guy who has not only performed against at a high level against good teams, but performed at a high level against other really good big men. I mean, he played well against Drew Timmy and he played well against Shibai, you know? So it's like, you know, that those guys aren't going to shy away from anything. That's who I picked to win the tournament though. Like I, and I bet on them. That's who I, I I don't know. I bet on them at a plus four fifty. You know, I was like, it's good bad. I, yeah. I, I thought that that was good value right there with what, uh, what I've seen from them. Uh, I, I do think the other side of that bracket will be interesting though. Cause I like, I don't know anything about UConn or Oregon, you know, like I know I watched Oregon lose to Houston, but I didn't feel like I walked away learning anything about that team, you know? So, and then they lost to UC Irvine too, a couple yeah. weeks ago. So it's like UConn's played some dog shit teams. Like, I think the best team they played was Buffalo. Who's like one ninety nine on Ken Palm, you know, mm-hmm. I, so, I am I've been speaking of Oregon, the, that team, I don't know. Coach Altman is a great coach, you know, fantastic coach always has a lot of great recruits coming for some reason. Oregon's always so up and down. Like you think, was it last year? They were losing to like absurd teams and they go on the road mm-hmm. and have an uh, unreal victory. And, uh, in conference play in Pac-12 conference, and then they go around and lose to a bottom bottom feeder of the, the conference. I don't know why they're so up and down the past couple of years. Do you remember the year that they were like 500 and won the Pac-12, and I think yes. they were an 11 or 12 seed and went to the Elite Eight? <laughs> that was our year. That was when they beat us. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember what year that was, but that was like. I think that was. And you year, looked at it? the you looked at the team and you're like, what the hell? Like, how is this team an 11 seed? You know, it's crazy. There's no way that this team should be in this position right now. And they had like three NBA players on their team too. Oh yeah, it's, it's like absurd. they had like Chris Duarte. They might even had like Chris Boucher still. Like that was like a good team, and it just yeah, for whatever reason, they were not good during the regular season. They just got it but they figured it out like right at the end. That's what I think is 
what makes Dana Altman good is his teams eventually just figure it out, you know, yeah. and they start to play really good ball. Sometimes it takes longer than, than other teams. The Pac-12 is just like a weird conference to me. There's so many great players in that conference, but I don't, I wouldn't necessarily categorize any great teams. I mean, you think about Arizona state, they kicked the shit out of Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. And a couple games before they lost to like Texas Southern or someone. Yeah. A low major school. It it blows my mind. The amount of times that happens in the PAC 12 to those teams. But that's why they only get a couple teams into the tournament, you know, every year is because it's just like, you see their, you know, like their team will look really good sometimes in flashes, but then you'll see like their entire body of work. And it's like, man, like that, it just seems like they have really inconsistent programs in that league, you know, outside of like UCLA and Oregon, everybody else, they could either be pretty good or be like really bad, you know? And you have a situation where it's like Oregon state can go like two and 16. And then all of a sudden the next year they go 500 and they're in, and they're like on the bubble, you know, right. It's just up and down every year. It's just a weird, yeah, yeah it's just a weird league. But I think that's why the big 10 and back big, big 12 have always been. So I don't even necessarily categorize the ACC because ACC has been up and down a lot too. Yeah. Consistent, consistently the big 12 and the big 10 have honestly been in non-conference play. They handle games. They should, there's rarely any top of the teams that lose to schools. They shouldn't lose to. And the bottom teams in each of those conference are really great teams. So I think those are honestly, have always been the top like consistent conferences and that's why they have usually you know the most teams in the tournament at the mm-hmm. end of the year yeah they just it just seems like uh there's so much more consistency from them you know where it's like even you know even if an oklahoma state has a bad year and iowa state has a bad year you're like okay well you know that program's gonna bounce back you know right. like that's too too proud of a program for it not to bounce back and for them to get back to having success but it's like if washington state has a bad year I don't anticipate Washington state to bounce back. You know, and it's no. like, oh shit, I guess it's the end of the road for whoever the coach is at Washington <laughs> state. Now the boys ran out of gas, I guess, you Turn know, the program it's, down. it's, it seems like out West, like once your team like starts to nosedive, you go from being like an NCAA tournament team to going one in 17 in conference, you know, mm. in two years, yeah. it, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's talk about Iowa. How do you feel about them here over these last couple of weeks? They got me a, a couple of big betting wins the other night with on the first half line in the, in the game line against Omaha. Tell you what, the first half line for the Hawks it is almost certain that the total points will hit for the team and probably the halftime. I, the thing with Iowa, I think that they have a chance to be really, really fucking good. They have a lot of pieces back. The only thing that scares me is they don't have a deep bench. And honestly, this could go one of two ways. One, it could be great because Coach McCaffrey has always always been known to play eight, nine, ten guys. Like he loves getting deep in his bench and playing a lot of guys. I've always been a proponent of playing, you know, seven, eight guys. I always think the best teams have a strong core. Obviously, there's gonna be some, you know, guys nine ten guys in the in the rotation they need to play four or five minute spurts but you look across the country always those that that core guys are always around eight that they play mm-hmm. so maybe like which being forced to play in seven eights honestly might be the best case scenario for these guys this year and have the most optimal success and they have a lot of pieces like tony switching to the point guard i think is huge 
I think once comes Big Ten play, Tony needs to start figuring out that he is a really great playmaker. I think he's he's getting to the rim whenever he wants, and he's able to do a lot of these things, play great defense. But once he figures out in a Big Ten play, things start slowing down that he can get like eight to ten assists a game, and he can have you know ten to twelve points by just you know feeding Chris Murray, finding Rubrock in the paint. You know, looking for Pat on the on the three point line by just all the attention he draws. So they have a, they have a chance to be really good. You know, just going to Seton Hall already and being beating a team like that that's huge for the resume. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you if you'd been surprised at all by how good their guards have been. I mean, they're number one in the country in turnover percentage, only turning the ball over ten percent of the time. Like that for a group of guards outside of Tony Burke, or outside of Tony, who's I mean, not exactly a super experienced group. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that, right? Oh, easily. I think, and that I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's ever been an issue for Iowa teams. You know, even since you know, I've been there the last five, six years, that that there we we never really turned the ball over a lot. We always had low turnover numbers, high assists, and that that was kind of just the the beauty of the motion offense. I think that's why the motion offense is so great because one, it's hard to scout, so when your offense is hard to scout, you're not going to turn the ball over that much because defense can't really do anything mm-hmm. against an uh, motion offense. Cause they don't know what to expect. So that's always limited turnovers. The thing that's always surprised me though, is how fast Iowa teams play and consistently there's always a lot of low turnover numbers. And usually you, you would say that there's when there's up tempo offense, that there's going to be some turnovers, but the coach has always been a pretty good job of, you know, instilling that having a lot of high turnover games. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Ken Palm. I'm gonna look at see some of the other turnover numbers. All right, Arizona plays at the fastest pace. They're 305th in turnover percentage. Yeah. Uh, Saint Saint John's is fourth. They're 217, so kind of average. What's Gonzaga? Gonzaga's three, three twenty four. Yeah, they're uh, uh, they are thirty one. So I mean, their their average possession length is number two. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're playing like as fast as anybody on the clock, the, but the adjusted tempo is, is different. Uh, I, I think once it's going to be the stretch when they play Iowa state, Duke, Wisconsin, I think I can't remember. There's another team in there. Well, yeah, they play. Uh, so this is their schedule coming up. They have Clemson on yeah, Clemson, Friday. They uh, should be, Clemson's not very good. They should easily handle those guys. Georgia tech um, on Tuesday and then Duke, uh, the following Tuesday and then at Iowa state and then, uh, home against Wisconsin on December 11th. Tough stretch. I think if they can manage, was that six games, five games, six games, I think five games. Yeah. Five games. I think if they are able to manage a three and two record, they are looking, staying in the top 25. If they're getting a four and one, they're going to be a lot, a lot, there's going to be a lot of eyes on them if they can get out of there with a four and one or five and five and all record. What should Wisconsin be like this year? What do you, what do you know about them? Besides, I mean, outside of Chucky Hepburn and uh, Brad Davison, who do they have coming back? Uh, well, Brad Davison is out. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. He graduated. Yeah. Chucky Hepburn's back. Steven Crowell is, is back. Um, Johnny Davis's younger brother is back. Um, the thing with them it's the same thing with kind of coach McCaffrey. Like it's always been the same system. So they're going to play that slow, methodical swing offense, um, get after you defensively, not allow, uh, you know, threes or layups. They're going to 
continue their philosophy of mid-range shots. They're going to force their opponents in. So it's always going to be the same type of Wisconsin team. They just don't have a lot of scores to see. They don't really have that go-to guy. So that that is why I think they're going to be kind of middle of the pack. But knowing Coach Guard, he's going to try to have them trending upwards towards the end of the year. I think tonight they play Dayton. A lot's going to be told on that game because Dayton's a really athletic and physical team and see how they match up. That's going to be in the most relatable Big Ten opponent so far before Big Ten season. Yeah, I really like Chucky Hepburn. I think he's a good player. Yeah. Uh I don't know, not like a huge scorer, but, you know, as a floor general type, I think he's going to be a really good player here over the next couple of years. I said Brad Davison because you, I mean, at this point, you just assume he was around forever. You know, he's about like you. You just assume that you're there until all of a sudden you have confirmation that he, he <laughs> is gone. indeed not there. Yeah, it's like I, I fully expect still to turn on a Wisconsin game and Brad Davison's there for some yeah. reason, you know. And getting a flagrant foul. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh all right, big football game coming up on Friday. Iowa trying to clinch their uh, Big Ten West championship on the road at or at home against uh, against Nebraska. How are you at all worried about the uh, about the Cornhuskers? You know, it's crazy. The first time was it their uh, what was the record when we've had our first in person episode? It was uh, they've won four in a row, so they're they're three and four, right? That, yeah. that week. Yeah. Remember we were talking about in that episode, like I asked you, I was like, so what happens when they went out and they have a chance to go to the big yeah. 10 title game is all the Iowa fans going to jump back on the bandwagon. And we were both like, there's not a chance in hell that happens. Like, I don't know the exact words, but we were like, these Iowa fans have already given up on this team. Like there's no way this team fights back or something along that line. Dude, we're here. Like, holy shit. Like how insane is that? That they're going to be, more than likely playing in the big 10 title game. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's absurd. <laughs> I remember I asked you too, what your mental state would be like if Nebraska was the one that somehow spoiled it in the last week of the season. Yeah. I mean, they're like, there's no way Nebraska's going to win that game. I put it at 0.01% chance that Nebraska would even have a chance to win the game. I think I, I don't, I think it's almost a certain that Iowa wins this game and they head into the big 10 title game. I do not think it's going to be a close game. They're going to get annihilated, Help me out. Annihilated. 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 My vocab. Holy shit. <laughs> They're going to get terminated. Uh, annihilated annihilated i can't say the fucking word annihilated dude why am i saying this that way uh annihilated annihilated uh no you don't it's not annihilated 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 <laughs> dude i can't say it annihilated 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 why am there, I that's waiting? the closest that you've gotten. That's the closest you've gotten. You need to quit now. You need to quit while you're ahead. Uh, oh, that was bad. Yeah, uh, I I think Iowa wins this game. How do you feel going into a Big Ten championship game again? Would you rather play Michigan or Ohio State then? Probably Ohio State. Um, I think they match up. They don't match up well with either team, but they've already – I mean, I don't know. They got killed by – I guess they didn't get actually killed by Michigan. They can't. It was only a two touchdown game, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. they scored at the end of the game. I don't know. I think either way, obviously their defense is going to be fine with either team. 
it's just is their defense what what team is the defense going to score more on <laughs> yeah i mean i would think it would probably be i don't know that it would i don't know i feel confident either way that the defense is going to score more than once or twice well, you know I remember if i remember correctly uh they they played the, the defense was pretty did pretty well against ohio state i think that was a game uh they, they put in padilla yeah, that was a miserable offensive performance that, that, that game. But their defense played really well. They really uh, forced a, a lot of tough situations for the Ohio State quarterback that game. But, yeah, I, I think the Nebraska game is going to be close, but there's no way in hell they lose that game, not with how much is on the line. I don't know, man. The Cornhuskers are playing for pride, you know. They're playing for pride every year, dude. <laughs> 360 sellouts in a row. It's actually three. Up. I think this is actually sellout number 390 Jeez. this week. I saw a picture of them changing the number in the stands and there's like no one in the stands. Yeah. It's about how it's been here as of late. They, uh, they always sell their, uh, yeah, we talked about this where the, the donors buy them and give them to kids. Yeah. And then I don't even know if anyone goes anyway. Kids don't <laughs> <You know? control. laughs> right. Yeah. Even the kids are like, I don't want this shit. I don't want to go to that Nebraska game. Uh, Iowa State plays TCU on Saturday. What do you? How do you think the Cyclones? Uh, what do you think of the Cyclones' chances against the Horn Frogs? I think I just think it's funny how the seasons have flipped. To be honest, everyone yeah. was so high on Iowa State after they beat Iowa, right? Yeah. Granted, you guys won that game. Props to you guys. You played well, but. It just sucks when Iowa has a better football program. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> All those people in the mentions. Better, better than better than who? Better than who? Northwestern and 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 uh, Minnesota. You didn't beat you didn't beat Iowa State, so you can feel good about beating Northwestern and Minnesota and Wisconsin. They're gonna be playing in the conference title game, though. That's fine. It's like winning the big. It's like winning the Big Twelve North and getting to go play Vince Young, Texas, to lose fifty six to nothing. Like Colorado had yeah, to in two thousand six. Yeah, but Iowa State isn't doing that, are they? You're like the sacrificial lamb at this point. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. We're offering the Big Ten offers the Hawkeyes up as the as the sacrificial lamb to the Buckeyes in order to get them into the college football playoff. That's basically how it goes. Uh, so, okay, tell me this. They beat, they beat Nebraska on Friday. They go mm-hmm. and, and let's say they play – they win the Big Ten title game and they go to the Rose Bowl. What do you say after that? Does if, Iowa, they does beat, Iowa, if they beat Ohio State to win the Big Ten. And they go to the Rose Bowl. Is Iowa State fan base crumbling and everyone is ceasing to de- exist? No, no, because then no one – you would never hear the end of how in that season when they made this magical turnaround to go to the Rose Bowl that Iowa State beat them with a team that went 4-8. and eight. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's almost – you almost can say that that loss set them up to get to the Rose Bowl. So it doesn't but really it, matter. But it didn't. Lost. It wasn't that loss that did that, was it? No, but some could argue it did technically. I thought I would say that was the loss to Illinois more than it was the loss to uh, Illinois, Iowa State. Yeah, but Illinois was good. That, that was a t- Iowa State was, was still in the point where everyone was in denial about whether or not things were as bad as they were at that time. You know, I remember we were talking about it. I remember. 
I, I, I didn't think you guys were going to be that good this year. I don't know what the, the false hype was. You guys well, I mean, I don't think anybody – Iowa team. I don't think anybody all of a sudden thought that Iowa State was going to go win the national championship. You know? Um, there's a lot of people in my timeline saying how good Iowa State was after they beat Iowa. And I was like – I just sat there and, and I, I was on my phone scrolling like this. I'm like, wow, really? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. What, you, what do you want me to tell you? You want me to apologize for get, uh, for people being excited that they beat their rival? You want no, me to apologize for excited. that? No, yeah, absolutely not. Never get excited for being a rival. That's how rivalry should be. But yeah, I, I just think that it kind of, it kind of cancels out if they're able to get to the big 10 title game. If you, okay, let me ask you a hypothetical situation. We'll never have a right or wrong answer to this. So it's just, if you put Iowa state or Iowa in front of Iowa state schedule, they play all the schools in the big 12. What do you think Iowa's record is? Is it better or worse than the one that they've got in the big 10? You're saying the same schedule that they have. Iowa state that has Iowa state has. State. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa state has. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they'd be about the same record as they are now. I would say, I would say maybe seven. Uh, yeah. Seven, four, eight, eight, and three. They could, yeah, they might have won a couple of those close games that Iowa State yeah. didn't win. But that's what I mean. The, the games Iowa State lost were, were pretty fucking close. I mean, every single one of them has been close. They've lost yeah. like 10 games in a row by a single score. <laughs> Comes down to coaching. I mean, is he on the hot seat? Matt Campbell is not on the hot seat. Mm, I don't Everyone was dick riding for a while is, is it time to hop off the dick ride i i think that there's just a reality that uh matt campbell's a human being you know they can't he's not a football god should he should he had uh what was the job opening at the beginning of the season that everyone's rumoring he was nebraska should he have uh exercise that opportunity more at the time if you're nebraska how can you hire matt campbell now that's what I'm saying. I, I said at the time when they're job searching, should Matt Campbell picked up the phone and said, yes, I'm coming. But is going to Nebraska a place that has clearly been extremely dysfunctional for all of this time, that much better than going to Iowa state where you can go, where you can win four games and know you're not going to get fired. You know, that's an interesting, interesting topic. I actually want to talk about because there's a shift. Now that you bring that up, there's a shift like, if you look at the Iowa fan base, they're seven and four, right? They have a chance to get to the Big Ten title game. Like a lot of a lot of fan bases in the country would be mm-hmm. more than happy with that circumstances. But Iowa fans are not. They want national title contender every single year, ever since Hayden Fry was there. Iowa State, on the other hand, they're okay with squeaking above five hundred every single year. Why do you think that is? Because Iowa's experienced that with Hayden Fry of being in the top. Or well, I mean, just... I, I think when you just think realistically, like Iowa state went through a hundred years of losing football, basically, you know? So it's like when everything's relative, you would be a moron to think that Iowa state's going to go from that two and seven years being a national championship contender. That Why would just be, though? Why is one fan base settling? One's not. That's what I'm saying. How is one fan base settling for anything? I don't think Iowa state's not going to make changes to what they're doing. I'd be very surprised if they don't change their staff is Iowa's 
is Iowa going to change their staff to try and push their program forward? I don't know. I don't think changing the staff is the answer in a lot of situations though. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, so are are you settling? Are you settling? If you're still saying that people, if you're wanting people to make changes to the program and saying, we need to keep moving forward and keep doing different things in order to move forward, to grow the program. Are you settling if you don't do those things? Yes and no. I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a really hard question. I think it's really hard to make a coaching staff change. Here's the thing with, I'll say, I'll say this about coach Ferentz and his son. A lot of people don't realize that having a coaching staff change isn't always the right answer. I mean, you look at a lot of these schools, like they fire, like LSU fire coach. L, right. They get mm-hmm. a coaching coach, new coach. And I mean, is it much better? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're in the top 10, but yeah. But you know what I'm saying though? It's not like they just won the national title and they fired the, fire the head coach, right? So, I mean, someone could argue both ways. Like, okay, they're not settling. They're trying to, they don't want to continue that national title run and try to get in the top, top four instead of the top 10, right? I mean, so, I think there's a certain level of dysfunction that you can, like most per- people who have been around college athletics or like seen college athletics up close before, like you can see that there's, like there's like, there's some, usually some indicators of like, okay, shit's not working around here right now. You know, like this is, there's some, something weird going on where things are just broken, you know, like having covered, you know, the end of like the Paul Rhodes years at Iowa state and like the end of the Steve pro era at Iowa state, like there were just certain things that would happen that you're like, yeah, this ship's kind of going down, you know, and you can just like, start to see some of that thing, those things taking on water. And that's where I feel like with coach O, you know, they wrote a lot of stuff after he got fired about how, you know, he won the national championship and became basically the most important. Yeah. Most famous person in Louisiana. You know, he was the, like, he was Louisiana and that can go to your head, you know, and you can stop working as hard when you get to that position. And that's just, so it's like, I get where you're coming from. I think LSU is a, it's kind of a different situation because they're always going to have talent. So it's like, if you bring in a new coach, you're always going to have an opportunity to change, you know, and flip what you're doing. But it's also like, I, I think that just generally, I mean, you think about Auburn, the amount of money that they're spending on coaches, you think about even in Nebraska, how much they've changed their coaches. And it just, so yes, like there's certainly Texas is another example, I think of where they change, they change coaches and things don't change because I just, I think that it requires a lot of the institutions, the schools, like in the, you know, boosters, fans being self-aware enough to be introspective and say, maybe we're the problem because we keep hiring and firing coaches coaches. A coach comes in, he's had success everywhere. He's been, he comes here and he doesn't have success or at least not what we deem to be success, you know, but then we do that five, six times in a row and we keep blaming the coaches. It's like, at what point do we start to say, Hey, maybe there's some structural things that are not working that we need to change, you know? Yeah. Is, so, so tell me this. I, I agree 100% everything you just said. So what happens next year if same thing happens? Is well, they won, a, they won eight games in three years before Paul Rhodes got fired. I understand that. but So I think point, it would take a lot worse than that for Matt Campbell to be on the hot seat. 
is it is it a matter that it's hard to find someone no. good another good coach i'm not saying coach campbell is not a good coach at all that's not what i'm saying i'm, I'm just trying to feel out like what is the line for like a school like iowa state because we all see in the line of Iowa. you know what i'm saying like we've I all mean, seen i think if you iowa. don't if you don't go to a bowl game three years in a row after having the momentum that you did, like, I think that that would certainly be a thing where it's like, all right, you know, this thing is off the rails a little bit here, especially if you've been making changes to try and make things better. And if that's either actively making them worse or, you know, if it's just not changing anything, then I feel like there's a point where you can do that. But it's like, again, like there's a feeling to it, you know, where it's, like, I don't, you haven't like, I don't know. Iowa doesn't fire anybody, <laughs> you know, like Fran hasn't been, has been around for a long time now. Ferentz has been around for a long time. So it's like, but at Iowa state, when there are coaches who get to that point or when there's programs that get to that point, you can just like, you can kind of feel it and be like, yeah, you know, but like at Iowa state right now, I know that people still believe in Matt Campbell. People believe in what he's doing and like the players believe in him. And as long as you have that, then you've got a chance, you know, but once you start to have people jumping off the ship like that, that's when you can have things start getting really hairy. Like that's where I thought for basketball, when the basketball program under prom fell apart, it was when you got a strong sense that there was no trust between the head coach and the roster, you know, and there like, wasn't that what there needed to be there between them to be able to make it work, you know, and you would hear stories about certain things. that's just like, you just knew that it's like, man, that shit's getting kind of out of control, you know? And that's when you like have to make a change, but I've never heard or gotten any indication that anything's like that with Iowa state football. So that's why I don't think it would take some time, you know, before we would ever get to that point. So if that's the case, why this is kind of a different topic then why don't players have more of a say than in this, these coaching changes? Why is it always coming from the boosters and the administration when really it's the players that, experience it on day-to-day operation you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i think that the people that are like fans and stuff like that look at it as like i'm gonna be here longer than you i don't i'm not saying that's the right thing you know but it's like the players come and go at the end of the day and there's always more players I mean, you the know just come and go too though well yeah i know but that's what but the fans and the you know administrators a lot of times like they people like that, they stay around, you know? So it's like, I don't know. Should players have more of a say? Probably. I'm sure that there are some schools where they maybe do get asked what for their input and things like that. But I think it's just like not realistic to think that that's probably going to change either. You know, the rich people aren't going to give away that power, you know? I also think, I mean, that's, I honestly think that's kind of an argument though for Iowa fan base. You look at, everything that Kirk's been through even past couple of years, the lawsuit and this past year, you know, a few years back, they're undefeated going to the Rose bowl, like all, all this stuff happening in the last you know, five years. I feel like no matter what the players have always had Kirk Ferentz is back. You know, there's always that two or three players, especially when that lawsuit was happening that they're saying all this stuff about him. But I think that's also a big reason why there's so much belief in Kirk is behind the players. So, how's administration ever going to do something with staff when there's that much rally behind a head coach? I mean, I also believe that if it really came down to it, Kirk's probably more powerful than his boss. If we're being honest, you know, easily. Yeah. So it's like, how can, how can you fire someone that has more power than you, you know? So it's like, how could he, he's never going to get fired because he, it just wouldn't ever happen, you know? But it's like, I, 
I feel like it's hard though, because I don't know if I get that sense that that same level of trust is there with Brian, you know, mm. but I guess I don't, I don't know. You know, that's just like, from what I, from reading things, it just seems like, I don't know. He just seems like an interesting cat, you know, compared to his dad. I don't know how similar they are in that sense, but. It's definitely a dynamic that I honestly, I mean, a lot of people probably saw coming. You have, you hire your son. It's worked. It's worked in some situations. I mean, it's not like you look back at his hiring. It's not like it's a, a crazy absurd hire, right? He's a guy that he's played under his dad. He's, you know, played football for a while. He knows the game of football. It wasn't a crazy hire. I feel like I've, there's not a lot of people, with the, but there's definitely been a, some people I've seen even say that argument, like why was he even hired in the first place? I mm-hmm. honestly think there's a pretty, you know, there's a solid resume to be had that the reason why he was hired. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. He had been around the program. He was offensive line coach too, wasn't he before? Yeah. So it's like, he'd been around, you know, and it's not like what they were doing either was different from what it's ever been, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it makes sense. And it, especially with, but it, it, again, like there's the red flags of the nepotism stuff, you know, that is like, that's what I think rubs people on the outside the wrong way where it's like, you just gave the job to your kid, you know? Yeah. And then when they, when the offense doesn't perform to any level, it doesn't seem like he comes under any sort of heat of potentially losing his job. You know, it's like, how bad does the offense have to be before he would ever lose his job? You know, because I think that we found out basically how bad they would ever have to be before he would ever lose his job. I yeah. do you, do you think that they would fire him now? If they go to the Big Ten Championship game, I bet that they – I'm pretty confident they probably won't. The same thing we talked about two weeks ago, or when they were three and seven – or not three and seven, three and four. We were like the same thing. Like what happens when they win out? Are they firing his son? Yeah. So I don't know. I They're in a position now like let's say they win, they go to the Big Ten title game, they play decent, they get in a good decent uh, bowl game. I mean, it's kind of, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to come from Kirk. He's not going to fire him. Yeah. It would have to be Gary Barta, I think, which again, we just, like, like I we don't just think talked he's going to do it. Yeah. He's not, he's no. not going to do that. No, for sure. All right, man. Well, enjoy your, uh, your run through the rust belt and, uh, <laughs> rust your trip, belt. your trip to, uh, Fort Wayne, Grand Rapids and Detroit. I hope you and you really enjoy your Thanksgiving in Fort Wayne. Doesn't that sound a uh, a uh, uh, crazy travel uh, destinations I'm going to? Those three. Are you guys riding a bus to Fort Wayne? Eight hour bus ride to Fort Wayne, uh, and then like three hour, four hour to Grand Rapids, and then Detroit. I don't know why, dude. It it's gonna be a long thirteen days. Welcome but, to the uh, welcome to the miners. You know, right. welcome like to the, the fucking the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, I will say we do have a nice break for Christmas, so I am excited to be with my family over the holidays. A big reason why I decided to stay in the states and play basketball and not go overseas because I wanted to be around my family more and have this opportunity to go to home for Christmas is it, pretty. I always cherish this time of the year. I don't know about you, but I love being. You said you're around your family in Oregon, like. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest feeling in the world to be around your loved ones during the holidays and appreciate these moments because not a lot of people in the world are able to do that. Absolutely. Well said, man. All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace. Iowa everywhere.